Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? It's been um an interesting week, I, I would say, for the Heat since we last spoke. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of additions. The whole league, obviously, but yeah, yeah. definitely for the Heat, um, definitely. Uh, yeah, we talked about it, I think last week the the fact that the Heat were playing shorthanded but not shorthanded for the same reasons a lot of teams were. I think that was last week we talked about that. Well, I think um, we we were able to discuss COVID last week because we recorded the day the Spurs game was postponed. But you're right, you're right. But they didn't really start adding players until the following days. Right. Yeah. So now we're we're at this at this point, and and I thought uh, Spo said it like kind of elegantly after the uh, I think it was Spo who said it after the uh, Warriors game where it's like it's been weird, but it's been like they've had some awesome nights. I think is the way he put it, and um, you know it kind of sums up I think the last week for the Heat. Obviously, Jimmy Butler's injury uh, throws a wrench into this fun little stretch the Heat was having. Um, although optimi- there's optimism that it's not going to be anything too serious. Um, but, uh, you know, the Heat went, have gone with multiple starters missing now for the last 13 games. They've won nine of them. Obviously, a lot of those have been with guys like Kyle Guy. A lot of them have been with, uh, your preseason bold prediction coming true of, of Omer Yurtseven turning into, right. uh, one of the best rebounders in the league. We'll, we'll talk about him, I think, a lot in the second half of this episode. Um, you know, it's been with Duncan Robinson missing, with with Bam missing, with Jimmy missing. Uh, obviously, not in the last week, but the, just kind of the stretch uh, at large. Um, with Max Struess missing, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so these guys are all kind of starting to trickle back in. PJ Tucker was obviously missing for about a week before he came back on Monday, um, and it's made for a me- I think a memorable week is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this even before this week, when when like you said, when COVID hit the Heat, it, it was injuries, right? That he were dealing with so many right. different key injuries, um, and then you know, the COVID adds another layer to kind of what the Heat has been dealing with. And yeah, they've lost the past two. We're recording this on Wednesday before the the Blazers game, um, but just even winning one of the three on the road, honestly, even against the Rockets, even though it's against the Rockets. Probably you take that, right? I mean, you, at this point, it's like we've been talking about for the past month. Um, you're just trying to survive. And they built up so much equity here over the past month with all these home wins and, you know, the wins, the win against Philadelphia on the road and that, you know, that road trip that kind of went, you know, went well for them, all things considered, that they could afford a slip up here and there. And, yeah, even if they do, you know, go – I think this is a six-game trip now. Even if they go two and four – um, they're still probably still in a good spot that when they get guys back, when Bam comes back in a few weeks, and Jimmy, you know, I think the hope is maybe within the next week or so he could be back. Um, and they're at full strength. You know, they're in as good a position as anybody to to make a run in the East. So it's all it's been kind of just survival mode for the Heat, um, even before this COVID stretch, and they've done that and more. I mean, even like you know, I know we're probably going to touch on this quickly, but Spo winning Coach of the Month in December. Yeah. I mean, who 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 would have predicted that when when Bam went out November 29th that Spo would be coach of the month the following month without uh, one of his best players. And then Jimmy Give goes me, out. Yeah, he played four out, games well. in December. Yeah, and they, they went 10-5. and five. They went 10-5, and five, had the 10th best net rating. They were a top-10 team in the NBA, basically without Bam and Jimmy for almost the entire month. 
Um, and Tyler Hero for three, for three games, and PJ Tucker without you know without PJ for a few games. Kyle, like, Kyle for two, I think. Kyle for two. Yeah, it's just been it's been really amazing to see this team continue to win despite all the adversity it's faced. Yeah, and the way I mean, I keep trying whenever we talk about this. Um, you know, mentioned there, he's not alone. Obviously, every every team is dealing with this to some degree. Um, and so, you know, sometimes the Heat, we're like, oh, it's shorthanded Heat, but they're yeah. going up against a team that's equally shorthanded. But the wins all count the same in the end. Um, and the fact that the Heat were as pretty much as good a team as you can find in, de- in December. Um, and now, you know, they've lost, uh, I guess, two games already since January started, but two West Coast games and really hung. You know, that, that, that Warriors game, I think, was largely pretty impressive, um, even though they lost. Uh, because of where they were when when Jimmy went down, and and just the way some of those fringe guys kept playing, um, you know the the wins all count the same, and, and the Heat have been as good a team at managing this stretch as basically any you will find in the league, and uh, you know it's all the Heat culture cliches and and all that, you know it all that that's why it all matters, that's why it's all real to an extent, uh, is because the Heat are perfectly equipped to handle a stretch like this. And again, like when when Bam went down, and he was going to miss all of December, and, and Jimmy, what was that? I think December sixth was the last game he played before he missed that uh, long stretch. What like nine, ten in a row, or eight, nine games in a row? There, that was kind of before the COVID situation was like really overtaking the league. I think it was basically just the obviously when Bam got hurt, it had not really popped up yet. And I think when when Jimmy went down, it was. Um, only the Bulls are really dealing with it. So, yes, we thought the Heat were going to be in a lot of trouble there. Things ended up, as we said, kind of breaking in their favor. But, again, like, it's not like they had an advantage. They were on an even playing field with everyone else, and they were basically, um, you know, handled that as well as anyone, which is a testament to their exposure. It's a testament to the Heat's ability to just kind of find guys, and, and most importantly, to find guys whose skill sets fit, but then to to work them in quickly, right? It's like one thing when you talk about, like, they signed Kendrick Nunn on the last day of the season. He gets a full off season to work with the team. It's a whole other thing when you, you sign Kyle Guy, play him 24 minutes the next night, and he's, like, fits right in. Like, the, the Heat, they, they make this – people talk about how, like, complex the, the systems are for the Heat, right, that they're not just running the boring high pick-and-roll, kick-it-out-to-shooters. But – it works for guys, right? It, it, it's per, the guys are, have been playing this in a lot of ways, you know, and then they find guys who, who fit it well, but guys play this kind of stuff their whole life. It gets guys easy shots. If you can basically like follow instructions and can hit a three and, and it's been, um, you know, it, it's let them put in a guy like, like Kyle guy and, and not miss a beat or, or play all of these, uh, you know, like a, a Haywood Highsmith here and there, like, and and not really feel like you're missing too much. Yeah, it, it's it's complex, but I think the Heat's philosophy is pretty simple. And, and as much as they, you know, they're working to develop guys and they're all around games, and for them to become more than you know just kind of their reputation, I think at first, I think that what the Heat does really well is they play guys to their strengths. Right, right? like they're not asking guys to go out of their kind of their quote-unquote comfort zone um, in this system. They're like, well, if you're a good shooter, shoot the ball. If you're open, shoot it. You know, we're going to have you out there as a spacer, and that's what you're going to do. Like, you know, Kyle Guy, for instance, um, or Omar Yurt7. Like, just get every rebound. Like, you don't have to do anything more. You don't have to be Chris Bosh. Just 
try to, you know, grab as many screens as possible. Right. Um, you know, pick, set screens. We'll find you on rolls if you're open. Um, but it's it just, it, the Heat keep it simple in that regard, I would say. And they really, you know, I, I know that's frustrating for some guys. Like, you've, you've seen some heat, some guys leave the Heat and say, well, I kind of feel like I was in a box and right. they didn't let me, like, play, you know, show them all, all of my skills. But it works for the Heat. Like, it, it really works for everyone who kind of has their specific role. Um, and they, you know, as Spolstra says, they star in their role. Um, I think we've seen a lot of examples of that over the past month, whether it's Max Schroes or Gabe Vincent, Omar Yurtseven, these 10-day contract guys. Like, there's just been so many different guys who have just starred in their role, and it's translated to wins. And, yes, the Heat have played a lot of shorthanded teams over the stretch. The schedule has not been an impressive schedule. And even the teams they've played that have been almost whole, it's been like the Pacers and, right. you know, the Pistons and teams like that. But the Heat, I mean, no matter what you say, no matter who they're playing shorthanded, like they're missing their two best players. They were missing right, their two exactly, best players yeah. most I mean, of the when year. We, when, we, when we started talking about this, our thing was the Heat got to try to go 500 without Bam, basically. And when Jimmy went down, uh, I, I think our expectations would have been even lower. And instead they've been massively exceeded. Yeah, 10 and, ten and 7 since Bam went down. I know we do that every week here. Yeah, <laughs> since he's been but it's out. worth monitoring. Ten and seven, it, it yeah. was the defining stretch of the season, right? It, we said it was going to be the difference between maybe getting a top three seed and having to settle for being a, a road team in the first round of the playoffs. And, and right now, I think as we're recording, what are they in fourth place? Like, once they get Bam back, they're they're which could be pretty soon. Uh, which is kind of sneaking up on us, right? It's been yeah, it's supposed to be a four to six yeah. week injury or six to eight week injury, and we are now five weeks out from surgery, four weeks out from a surgery. Um, sneaking up on us, and, and the Heat is going to be pretty close to full strength soon, assuming this Jimmy injury is not is not serious, as is kind of the in initial indications. Like, you know, Duncan Robinson is uh, outside that six-day isolation window now. He could return at any moment. Um, you know, in the next by, – by the time we're recording next week, we might know when Bam is coming back or have a more clear picture. Uh, we might know when this team is going to be back at full strength. Yeah. Um, Obviously until COVID hits again, which – Right. Well – But some of you had it now, so – I was going to say, not most of the team has, has experienced it. They should be protected for the next few months. But I'm not a scientist, so I can't yeah. <laughs> I can't speak 100% of that, but you would think. Um, but, yeah, we when Bam went out, we said probably missed like 20, around 20 games, right? 20, maybe a little mm-hmm. over, but he's missed uh, 17 straight as of now. Yeah. Um, they already have ten wins, so they've almost basically clinched a five hundred record without Bam. Like if may win one or two more and you clinch it, but they're probably gonna at least finish five hundred. Um and that's all they have to do. And they're probably gonna you know, be in third, fourth place in the East when he comes back, and then they can make their run as long as, you know, the rest of the team stays healthy. Now you still have the question marks with Markeith, right? I mean right. there's been very little information on that. Um the last we heard from Markeith was on Twitter. I think it was on Christmas Eve or Around there, he said that he'll be back soon, um, but it's been a couple of weeks since then, and he has not been back. And he's not on the trip, so he's not coming back on this trip. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, you know, you wonder when he'll be back because he was an important piece of this rotation. Um, yeah, now you have Caleb Martin and, you know, Omer who could kind of fill that gap if, if he can't return soon. Um, but I think that's a, a question mark. And then Victor Oladipo, when, when is he going to come back? Again, February, March has been kind of the target range, but um, 
this team probably won't be a hundred percent healthy until if it ever is right until you know in a month until maybe another month or two. Um, but just getting Bam back and getting Jimmy, yeah, back, having the trio, Bam, back. Jimmy, Kyle, yeah. like that's what you really want to see. Yeah, which we have not seen yeah. since November. So uh, it's been a long time. And even then, it was like Jimmy was missing games, uh, Kyle was missing games. Like we, we have not seen. It has not felt like the Heat has had like their group in a long time, and they're still hanging around. Um, I wanted we we didn't. I, it almost feels like we're missing the entire Kyle Guy era on this podcast because he debuted. Uh, what was that last Friday? I think as we're recording, yeah. um, has obviously played in three games, um, played really well in all three games, and you know, uh, Eric Holman is inactive now because of whose return is that that made him inactive? PJ Tucker's, I guess. I think PJ, I think PJ Tucker's, yeah. We're gonna, they're going to have to make someone else inactive now with, with Max Struess. Probably that will be either Mario Chalmers or, or Haywood Highsmith tonight in Portland. Uh, obviously, you guys will know that uh, by the time you're listening to this. Um, and then, you know, Duncan and, and UD are, are potentially not far away from returning, both outside, the, as I said, that six-day isolation window. Uh, and at that point, you got to make your other hardship guys inactive, which means, like, the Kyle Guy arrow might be pretty close to an end. Like, it wouldn't be surprising if, like tonight is his last game with the Heat, right? Because of the way that this the structure works. Um, but man, what a great story! I know people want him him to stick around, and he's he's looked like it was kind of one of those guys that I can't believe the Heat has never had on their team. Um, but he's been a uh, you know he's, he's made he has made this stretch really fun. He's a guy who's probably uh, re rebuilt an NBA career off of this. Uh, yeah. I, it, if the Heat can't figure out a way to keep him, which it seems pretty unlikely they will be able to, uh, you know, it feels like a pretty good shot that he's going to sign a contract somewhere else, like next yeah. week or whenever that 10 days is over. Yeah, he, he looks like an NBA player. I mean, yeah. um, he's he's a, obviously a very good shooter. I think we knew that. But even just his playmaking. I mean, he has nine assists in three games Yeah, off the bench. Um, and two, Nine assists and two turnovers, by the way. Um, playmaking is shooting. Um, even defensively, he has limitations, obviously defensively, just like, you know, guys like Tyler Hero do and Duncan and all that. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. He's even mm-hmm. smaller than them. He's 6'1", 167 pounds, yeah. of course. He still um, looks like a college basketball player. You yeah. said he looks like an NBA player, but he literally looks like a college basketball player. Yes. Just based on his, like, size and all that. For sure, for sure. But he just, I mean, he, he, when he's playing, he, he looks like he belongs as far as his game. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't. I just don't know how the Heat finds room for him. I, I just don't see it because, you know, they've been trying to avoid the tax all year. I don't think they're going to change that plan for Kyle Guy. Yeah. Um, and their two-way spots are, 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 are kind of given out already. I mean, Caleb Martin's not going anywhere, obviously. Um, and then Marcus Garrett. Yeah, I guess that might be the move. Like, if you wave Marcus and put Guy in that slot, but I just don't see the Heat doing that. I know they like Marcus a lot. Marcus has done nothing to kind of change that. He's actually played relatively well before he you know went out last week, you know, and had to enter protocols defensively. He's been really, really good. Um, his offensive game is not as refined as Kyle's, obviously, but I think there's upside there um, that maybe. Kyle doesn't have at this point, you know, of his career. While Kyle's so young, he's 24, he kind of is, you know, I think you kind of know who he is at this point. Um, but I think Marcus Garrett, there's some upside there that, that he want to explore. 
So, I mean, maybe there's a trade. I mean, I don't know if you trade, like, a guy like KZ and open up a spot. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't see that happening over the next few days just to just to make room for Kyle Guy. Yeah, it's a tough situation uh, for the Heat, who you can tell, like, kind of love him. Um, but, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll be back in the summer, right? He's not going to get a multi-year deal anyway. He's going to get something probably to finish out the contract, finish out the season from some bad team, and then uh, – reevaluate going forward but um those are the stories that have made have made it's it's why i think memorable is a good way to describe this stretch because ultimately for the heat what it means to this season like we said is just that ability to potentially like hover around 500 right now um you know they're one and two with kyle guy let's let's say in the kyle guy era so (laughs) you know hovering around 500 keeping things afloat while they're missing a lot of guys um but ultimately like these hardship guys, the guys who have made this stretch pretty memorable, you know, Mario Chalmers, obviously, without even playing, has made this stretch memorable. What a, what a day when the Heat decided to bring him back. What um, was your reaction when you saw that tweet? I, like, it, I, I wasn't surprised, right? Because it kind of had been, like, bubbling that way. Um, I'm honestly more surprised he hasn't played at all, right? Like, once they signed him, I was like, oh, they must still think he can, like, play a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if they think he can play at all anymore, although uh, Spo obviously keeps like kind of saying he can. But uh, it was uh, – I, I think every – I mean, it, I think we talked about this last week, the idea that every arena should have like three guys on hold. Like I, I, every team should be doing this. Honestly, every year every team should be granted an extra roster spot to bring back a former player over a certain age maybe we'll, uh, or who has been retired for a certain amount of years, out of the league for a certain amount of years. As long as they've never been an all-star, like a fan favorite type guy like, like Mario Chalmers. I want to see this all across the league. Like like Birdman or somebody like that. Yeah, Birdman would fit for the Heat. Um, Mike Miller, was he an all-star before? No. He probably was, but not with the Heat. We'd have to come up with some kind of caveat here. Um, my my favorite my favorite uh, and an underrated aspect of the day that Mario Chalmers – I guess he didn't sign with the Heat, but when that came, when the news came out that he was going to come back on a 10-day contract, was I think it was like an hour after the Mario Chalmers news broke, Mickey Arison tweeted a photo oh of my Dwayne God. Wade. And did you think for a second that they were going to bring back Dwayne Wade? I actually had to text some people. I freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, am I really going to have to deal with this for 10 days? Like, this is going to be this is going to be a circus. Like having Dwayne and Mario Chalmers back on the team for 10 days. Um, and then I realized, well, Dwayne Wade is actually an owner. Right, he's an owner. That's why I was like, no way. Uh, so that's the text I got back. The text were like, well, he's an owner, so he can't actually do that. And then I realized that uh, Mickey was just trolling at that point, which is funny. <laughs> um, but for a second, I have to admit, I did kind of <laughs> – my stomach kind of sank. And we're like, oh, is, are they really going to sign Dwayne Wade? But I should have known better. Yeah. I mean, that's it, – it helps – Again, it's why I would describe this stretch as memorable. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of this time of the year, you only learn so much about your team. You only get so much out of these games. Everyone's kind of, you know, like, obviously this year is different, but usually that post-Christmas pre-All-Star break stretch is the dog days. Everyone, you know, guys are sitting out. Guys are nursing injuries. Like, guys are just trying to make sure they're healthy going to the end of the season. You're only learning so much because guys are in and out of the lineup. The wins, it, it, 
you know, every once in a while there's a team that'll, I think the Hawks that, that year, they won 60 games. Like this is when they went on their run. So there's usually a team that'll kind of go on a run here because they're just like trying harder than everyone else. But for the most part, most teams are just kind of coasting from Christmas to the all-star break. Um, but, and usually it makes for really like boring, unmemorable basketball. But this stretch is memorable. A lot of this doesn't matter in the long run. A guy like Kyle Guy having a, a fun three or four game stretch with the Heat ultimately doesn't matter. Probably long term, it matters to him because, uh, you know, like I said, he's probably going to get a contract out of it. It matters a little bit to the Heat and the vision they can say where they we can, you know, we've turned Kyle Guy into an NBA player in, in a week. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately, like in the grand scheme of the championship hopes, the playoff picture, it doesn't matter that much. But it's been way more memorable than this uh, January stretch usually is because yeah, of. Because of guys like Kyle Guy, because of guys like Mario Chalmers, um, and because it's happening all – Joe Johnson, right, coming back and hitting a, a game winner, right, for, for – in one of his first games back. Or not a game winner, hitting a hitting a shot late in the game uh, in one of his first games back. Um, you know, it, it's happening all across the league. Yeah, maybe I'm overstating it, but I feel like one day there'll be like a 30 for 30 documentary on this. Yeah, definitely. There's a – like, just this month, it's, you know what I mean? It's the replacements, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just the craziness of, like, what the front office have had to do, like, just on short notice where all of a sudden three guys test positive and they have to go out there and find three guys and bring them in just to play a game. You know, it's just everything around it has just been so unique. Yeah. Even more unique than the previous two seasons that were impacted by COVID is just because of the just the sheer volume of guys who went out. Um, and the different and all the G League players they need to come in that they actually have to pause the G League season to yeah to kind of adjust to all this. Um, yeah, it just seems like a good documentary can be made on it. Yeah, I mean we talked about it last week, but like the fact that the Heat are just like looking up and down the Austin Toros roster to like figure out who who they can get to come play for a game in San Antonio it was like crazy. But uh, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, it's like the bubble is like. You know, there have been books already written about the bubble. There's been, like, big feature on Bleacher Report about the bubble. Um, I don't know if we'll get the same kind of treatment from this, but I think – honestly, I think it's almost – I don't want to say it's more interesting because the idea that they built this bubble in, in Disney World and, like, that's obviously, like – it was, like, a societal story, too. Yeah, so it's like, a this, big social experiment. Almost, right, exactly. Yeah. But this has happened, like, so rapidly and – I really I, I can't imagine the front offices were totally prepared for this. Um, it it's caught everyone off guard, right? The bubble was a a big planned thing. It was uh, you know spent months figuring out the logistics. Everyone you know you had to you had to go there and you had to quarantine for ten days when you got there. So like it was a slow moving process, a very deliberate planned out process. This is spontaneous. This is just like oh my god, half the league has COVID. We've got to find. Uh, 200 more players to play in the NBA right now. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you talked to guys, I was saying to guys a couple weeks ago before the, hit, the Heat were hit with the, their own COVID issues, and they said that the beginning of this season felt kind of normal. Like, if right, it felt was. Like a normal year. So like, everyone that's thought, why it was well, crazy. Yeah, everyone thought, like, okay, we're, we're kind of back. You know, yeah, things aren't 100% back to normal. You know, we just have to be careful and wear masks, but – you know, guys aren't going out for the protocols and, you know, it's we're able to do more things freely on the road and at home. But then all of a sudden when 
when this new variant hit, um, things changed. So yeah, I think it did catch people by surprise just because for the first few months there, it looked like they were returning to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Again, the NBA mimics life. Cause I think it's, it's a, a, how a lot of people have felt, right? The summer into Thanksgiving basically felt normal. And then all of a sudden it was like back to like worrying about it. And obviously it's not, it's not as serious as it was at the start of the pandemic. Um, but it still is like, it came out of nowhere and I think it caught a lot of people off guard and no one, no one really knew. We talked about this last week. No one really knew how to handle this new variant totally. Um, and the NBA is once again, uh, mimicking life a little bit there. And I love that they were able to keep going, right? Just like everyone else, you know, they, no, no disrespect to the NHL, which paused and they always pause around Christmas. So it wasn't as big a deal as I think people made it out to be. And it's a lot harder to find replacement NHL players than it is to find replacement NBA players, I think. Um, and rosters are just bigger in the NHL, all that kind of stuff. But like, I think most people, life has gone on with this. It's been weird, right? It feels like every day you hear about someone who's tested positive for COVID or, you know, you have plans to get canceled because someone tested positive. But everyone, for the most part, has kind of gone on with their daily life, right? We, we haven't gone right back into a bubble like we did when the NBA was in a bubble. We have tried to move on, and and it, that's why it's it, again, it's it's not a social experiment like you said, but it's once again kind of a societal story. Definitely, and and I think in the beginning there were questions of whether the NBA would continue just because they were, we didn't know what this variant was, like right. we didn't know, yeah, the, yeah. and we still really don't know. It's still very very new. But the more, you know, as the more days go on and more information comes in and you hear more scientists talk about how, you know, it seems to be a little more mild and hospitalizations aren't going up at the rate that people are testing positive. Like, I think that's played a role in a lot of these leagues kind of continuing on because, you know, it's maybe it is, maybe it is, this is different. This is a different phase of, of COVID and the pandemic. So, yeah, it's been interesting to kind of see it unfold. And it seems like the NBA you know, knock on wood is on kind of on the other side of this. Like there aren't as many guys in protocols as there was a week ago. Like the numbers yeah. going down. Um, so that's a good, obviously a good sign for the league. Uh, before we wrap up this topic, uh, we kind of skated over Mario Chalmers. We mentioned just our initial reaction to him being there, but just you know, you're 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 a Heat guy. You followed the Heat your whole life. You were coming. Well, you were probably in, in college or in the Big Three era or a little right after college, basically. Um, both in co- yeah in college but so so you have some very fond Mario Chalmers memories I'm sure which is what was your uh what what have you thought of seeing him back around the team you've obviously gotten to talk to him uh Spo said the other day he's kind of expressed some interest in coaching going forward just what have, what have your kind of big picture thoughts on this the Mario Chalmers return been it just brings back so much so many memories and like a feeling of nostalgia almost just because that was such a fun time down here. My Were you a Mario Chalmers guy? Like, I, I, I've never quite understood. I mean, I know, like, people now love Mario Chalmers, right? And people make jokes about how he always got yelled at. Right. Like, was, what was he – how much of a fan favorite was he at the time? Or is this all, like, rose-colored glasses looking back? He was no, part of this really fun era. He was, he was a popular figure. I mean, you have to remember, he was a starting point guard. Point guard right, he was. Like, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, obviously – part of the big three, even though he probably thought he was, but uh, he was a starting point guard. He had some really big moments and big games for that team in the, during their playoff runs and during those seasons. Um, 
But I think, I, I, you know, some people would get frustrated with him. Some, he, he is a frustrating player at times because he is so confident. And he thinks, you know, it seems like he thinks he's the best player on the team and the offense should go through him. And there's some shots you're like, really? Can't you just get in LeBron's hands, right? But I also think that made him a fan favorite because right. he was just fun, like a fun guy to root for, a fun guy to, like, I don't want to say make fun of, but there were all these memes and stuff. Like, it was just, you, you would see LeBron and, and Chris and, and Dwayne kind of always screaming at him. Like it was like a running. Yeah, that was like the joke. I mean, like from someone watching from afar, and obviously they were the biggest story in the league, so you watch them a lot. But that was always kind of like his. And I liked him because good three point shooter. I thought he was always an underrated guy. People like yeah on NBA memes, Facebook solid NBA player. One of him because of because LeBron always yelled at him. But I always liked him because he was good. Same with same. I felt the same way about Chris Bosh, where it was like he was always the punching bag with those teams. Um, But guys who just because they played with LeBron, I I feel that. This way, with Kyle Kuzma right now, like the, they're punching bags because you get play next to LeBron and you get blamed for everything. But I always liked Mario Chalmers, so I had, I had fun seeing him come back. Yeah, it, it's just it brings it, it brings you back to that time of of like your sports fandom you know, if you were down here during that time, just because it was such a. I mean, I don't know if we'll, we'll ever care about basketball down here as much as we did those years. Like people were watching every game like it was NFL Sunday. Like every right. game mattered. You know, like it was a football, like basically, like it was a football game. Like it was, it was. You had to watch it, no matter what, who was against, no matter what time it was at. Um, and he was, he was a central like character of that era because, again, he was a starting point guard, and he kind of turned into a a, a fan favorite um, during that time. And you know, he was even here before the big three years. I mean, he, right. he was drafted to the Heat. Um, so you know, he was there for seven seasons. That's a long time in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, he might not play. I mean, maybe he plays tonight against the Blazers, and I'm wrong. But if he doesn't play, I, I just think the whole story is kind of cool that he was able to find his way back to the Heat after, you know, four years of just grinding, you know, whether it was in Italy or Greece or I think he was playing in Puerto Rico recently, played in the Big Three League, just to find his way back into the NBA on a 10-day deal. Um, it's a cool story. Are you into uh, Coach Chalmers on the staff in a couple of years? Why not? I mean, look at the, look at Spo's staff. It's all like basically former players. I mean, they're all undrafted, right? I mean, the most of them, most of those guys are undrafted, but Rio really had to kind of turn himself into an NBA player too and make him. You know, he wasn't all. He was kind of an underdog as well coming in. No one thought he would be a a starting point guard for a championship team, um, and one of the greatest teams of, of our of that era of of the NBA. I mean, he was. So why not? If he wants to be a coach, I, I could see it. I mean, Anthony Carter, Malik Allen. Chris Quinn, um, probably forgetting somebody, but all those guys I mean, have turned into to good coaches. So um, I think if he wants an opportunity, I'm sure Spo would probably be open to it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Anthony, uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to read a text that you sent me earlier today as we were getting ready to record. Uh, he said, I think this week's pod should be bragging, be about bragging about our bold predictions coming true. And by what you really meant by that is you want to brag about your Omar Yurt 7 preseason projection that you acknowledged to me you don't even remember exactly what it was. <laughs> with something along the lines of he's going to be good. Um, and right now he looks pretty good. I was so wrong for like a month. Dude. I know, I know. I didn't want to even bring it up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think my, mine, I, was, mine was boring. It was like Tyler Hero's sixth man of the year, which like we've, we've litigated that all year long. So we'll we'll talk mostly about yours. Yeah, and the, whirl, think, the whirlwind, the roller coaster trajectory you have taken to being very right about your prediction. Well, I could be very wrong in a month when he's out of the season. Again, too, but, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe this counts as just being right because he's had an impact for a month, and that that that's all that matters. Um, but, yeah, I think my bold prediction was he was going to, like, have a role and be an impactful player as a rookie. And, you know, he started the year out of the rotation, barely played. I think he only played really, like, in the end of blowout wins or blowout losses. There were so many of them beginning of the year as he, like, dominated their way through the first two weeks of the season that he got a few minutes here and there. But over the past month, since guys have been out, and over the past week or two since Deadman went out and Yurtsev is at the start, I mean, yeah, he's not. He hasn't been perfect, but he's. I mean, you could tell he said he he deserves probably playing time in the NBA. I mean, just his rebounding skills alone are elite. I mean, over the past eleven games, really, I think that's kind of when he started playing right. double-digit minutes consistently. I think he played double-digit minutes in each one of those it's games. It's Deadman's injury, basically, right? Well, no, 11 games a little before that. So that okay. was kind of, um, you know, that he was dealing with. I don't know, I think maybe Jimmy went out. That's like when Jimmy went out again and other guys went out as well, and he had to step in and play more of a prominent role mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, he's been the best rebounder in the NBA. I mean, if you go yeah. by rebounding percentage, which is what I always look at, um, kind of the percent of you know available rebound right. uh, rebounds that a player grabs when he's on the court, he has the top one over the last 11 games. Clint Capella's second, and then Jokic is third. Um, Rudy Gobert's fourth. <laughs> that, says, that says it right there. <laughs> yeah. um, he's, his rebounding has been tremendous. Um, offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding. Um, you know, his touch around the rim, it's surprising because he showed really good touch in summer league, but it's kind of been hit or miss for him in the NBA. As a pick-and-roll player, which is kind of his, I guess, primary offensive role right now. Right. Not great. I think he's like in the 16th percentile in the NBA when it comes to points per possession when he, as a role man, so he needs to get better at that. Um, but as a rebounder, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's the best rebounder on the team, maybe even better than Deadman, who's an excellent rebounder as well um, because of just his size, his timing, his instincts, and he's gotten better with his work with Udonis and Malik. Um, he's a very, very good rebounder. I don't know if this means that he'll get playing time when Deadman and Bam get back, but I do want to say that I have, I am right that he has made an impact this season, even if it's only for a month. Well, if there's one thing, you know, I talked about how you can't learn a lot necessarily from January in the NBA, and especially this January. 
Um, if you're a good team, you know, some of these hardship guys might stick with their teams if they're bad teams. And like you found a random young, like if, if Kyle Guy was doing this with the Pistons right now, it would be a big deal, right? It'd be like, oh my God, the Pistons have found another guy, um, another young guy to build around. Um, but the, the one story that I think you're really learning from this is, and again, the Heat maybe knew this behind the scenes, although the fact that his, he wasn't getting this role early in the season and, and, it seems like it's going to expand, maybe indicates that they're learning stuff right now, too, is just that he's a, a a piece. Like, he's a viable piece. You think of how did this season end last year, right, with them getting absolutely demolished on the boards against the Bucks? You don't think they could have used uh, Omer Yurtseven in that series? Like, he, he's got a job now. His rebounding is, like, I mean, the numbers say it all, but, like, really special. Like, Feels like you look up, you, you check the box score at the end of the first quarter in every game, and he's already got like nine. Like it's just every game, he's he's setting the tone on the glass. He uh, he's got really like he's a good athlete. Obviously, you know I, I've talked about it a couple of times. He was like a big recruit coming out of high school, or I don't know. He's Turkish, so I don't know. Turkish? Is that where he's from? Turkish, yes. Yeah, um, he's Turkish. So I don't know where he like. I don't know if he came from like a. Uh, like a academy there or whatever, but you know, he's, he's not just a step. He's not just a big step. He's like an athlete, a guy who is really rangy. He's got long arms. He can jump, you know, he ever once a game or twice a game, he has like a pretty crazy alley-oop finish too. He's like skilled he's, too. He's yeah. Really skilled. Like, so like, it's not, it's not like he's just like a big body. He's, he's a guy who's got some talent. Obviously that's why the heat brought him in. Um, but I, I think you're seeing that rebounding is a legitimately special trait. You know, they have not had a rebounder. It, I mean, it reminds you a little bit of Hassan, right? Just the way that he yes. is, like, always, like, first guy to touch the ball. I, it, he okay. reminds me of, actually, I'm not saying, you know, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of criticism about Hassan, but in, in as far as rebounding, I was going to say he reminds me the a way, lot of The way they rebound is really, yes. and that's obviously the, spe- like, it's, there's only a handful of guys who rebound at that level. And there probably would be more, but, like, you know, if, if, we cared about rebounding as much as like these guys do, but like it's like Hassan Drummond, like those guys who are just like, as soon as the ball is in the air, they're going for it. Like it's part of it is probably stat chasing a little bit for some of those guys. Right. But it's also like, they're just above the rim all the time. They've got long arms, they're big and they're athletic. And like that combination is obviously really rare than to also have that commitment to rebounding where it's just like he's always above the rim. He's always the first guy to the ball. He's always getting his hands on it. And, you know, it's it's not even like he's boxing out all the time. He's just flying in and, and getting these rebounds. Yeah, and, you know, there have been some questions about his defense as well. And I think he has gotten better in that area. Yeah, he's not Bam or not even Dwayne Dedman. Um, and they have to play a lot of drop when he's in there, which yeah. I don't think Spo likes to do. But they kind of have to adjust when he's manning, you know, the center of the defense. Or even zone. They play a lot of zone with him as well. But you look at his minutes, and over those 11 games, which, again, that's kind of when he's been really consistent part of the rotation, um, very positive minutes. No, I mean, only only Udonis has a better net rating when he's on the court than, than Omer. Um, and Udonis has only played in three of the last 11 games, right. so I don't know if, know if he qualifies. Omer, you know, the Heat are scoring teams by 9.5 points per 100 possession when he's on the court. Um, again, the best among regulars uh, over that those 11 games. So that's really encouraging that not only is he putting up really impressive rebounding numbers and even, 
you know, offensive games, you know, in, in some of them, um, he's giving you quality minutes, and the team has been better when he's actually been on the court. Um, so all of those things are encouraging signs. Again, I don't know what that means when this team is at full health. I just right. He's not going to play over Bam. He's not no. gonna, probably not going to play over Deadman. I doubt but, it. And, but and, there and might be some matchups when they need him. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Spo would like to go small. It's not like he, they're going to play. I mean, I guess you could say they can, he can play with Bam, but I just I, this team has PJ, and if Marquise comes back, and you have Caleb in the rotation, like they're going to play more smaller lineups. I think um, over playing two bigs together. Maybe in the future, Omer plays next to them, but I, I just I kind of don't see it yet this year just because of the way Spo has um, used the person his personnel this season. Yeah, like I said, he's going to be a piece. He's not probably not a guy who's going to play every night. Oh, maybe in the regular season he will when, you know, inevitably guys are always going to be in and out. Um, and then come playoff time, he is, again, like if you run into the Bucks again and they're killing you on the glass or – you know, I don't know. I don't know what other teams are you're going to run into that size issue necessarily with, but like he's a guy who can like kind of change the game on that end, right? If you put him in, you can't just win by overpowering the Heat, which is I think was always going to be a, a recipe when you've looked at a team that's just starting a six nine center and a I don't know how tall is PJ Tucker six four power forward six five power yeah, forward six five six six yeah yeah like that was always going to be one path to beating this team was just kill them on the glass and Deadman obviously goes a long way to went a long way to help fixing that. Um and but but Yurtsevin is I mean like you said as good a rebounder as they're in the league right now and, and you certainly can't just bank on winning the rebounding battle against the Heat when they can if they're if you're getting killed on the glass you can just stick Yurt in and it totally will change the complexion of the game for a couple minutes. Yeah and one more interesting thing about Yurtsevin during the stretch too I think that has been a little bit surprising um, at least to me, has been that he really, you know, we, we saw his, his outside shooting in the summer league, and I think that was one of the more impressive things yeah. about him. He hasn't really used that. Like, no. He has taken three threes in the last 11 games. 90 of his 101 shots have been in the paint. And, again, that goes to, like, what we were talking about earlier, of just supposed Starring to do what role. you do best. Yeah. Sorry, we don't need you to be a three-point shooter. We have enough of those. Just go, go you know, spend, spend your time in the paint, grab rebounds, and – you know, roll to the basket and see what happens, right? But, yeah, I think that's something else that he really haven't used yet or explored that much at the NBA level that I'm sure we'll see more of as his career goes on. Um, I, he definitely has more to his offensive game than the way the Heat are using him at the moment. Yeah, like you said, I don't know how much of that we'll see necessarily this year. But, again, right. they signed him to a two-year deal because he's a developmental guy. He was never, you know, he was never supposed to – probably have a stretch like this this season, right? He was always supposed to be your third center who was going to play when one of your top two guys was out. And right now the top two guys are out. It means he's playing a lot and uh, he's making the most of it, certainly. And and important to remember that he is on a minimum deal again next year with the Heat. So he'd have another very um, valuable contract and team-friendly contract in him next season that, you know, Dwayne Dedman, he's playing very well. If he gets a bigger contract out there as a free agent this offseason, you don't feel quite as bad about losing somebody like that, even though he is very important. Mm-hmm. You, when you have a developmental player like Omer, you know, that could back up Bam on the roster on a minimum contract. So, um, yeah, it's another smart move by the Heat, not only finding this guy, but locking him up for two years. Classic Heat find. Yeah, uh, pretty much. 
and that has been the story definitely of the last couple of weeks where you've got him, you've got Kyle Guy, you've got Caleb Martin uh, filling in for Jimmy Butler, uh, you've got, I don't even know who else, it, it feels like everyone out there like is, is a guy who, you know, obviously, like the fact that we're talking about Max Struess is a big return, right? Like, if you just get a Max Struess back, they're getting ready, they're getting back to full strength, I, I think perfectly sums up. Uh, this Heat team right now. The fact that we like went through this entire episode while like barely talking about Jimmy Butler and Bam beyond their injuries, and I, I think I'm going to say this name for the first time in this episode, Kyle Lowry, um, yeah, is like kind pretty of crazy. Yeah, it's like kind of yeah. crazy, but that's, I mean, again, it, the Heat is not unique right now in that regard, but it's the fact that uh, we're able to like talk positively right now about this, and it's not, you know, I, I would think a lot of, NBA fans right now who teams are dealing with this are like, we just got to get through this and then we'll get back on track when it gets back. The Heat has not been in that situation. They've been on track through this entire stretch. And there's, you know, we talked about early in, in the year that it always felt like there was this next level the Heat was getting ready to maybe get to before some of these injuries happened. Um, and, you know, obviously it's going to take some time to, to get all these guys back in, especially Bam, who's coming off an injury and got to have missed about two months, basically, by the time he gets back. Um, it's going to take some time to, for them to get, like, humming again like they were in the first month of the year. And, like you said, we still don't know when Markeith Morris is going to come back and the ultimate luxury of Victor Oladipo. But it, this was a stretch that obviously could have derailed the heat, and it didn't. And that's that's a testament to pretty much everything about the organization. Yeah, and before we close, and we talked about this last week, but I want to get your perspective on this. Like, do you – do you think the Heat is now one of the deepest teams in the NBA? Like, again, we talked about this a lot before the season about how that was a weakness, but from what you've seen over the past month or so, like, would you now consider depth a strength for this team? I, I think you have to, but the other thing about depth is there's a difference between regular season depth, right, where you need 10 guys yeah. on any night, and they've got that, definitely, when you can just throw Caleb Martin and Max Struess and whoever as your 8th, ninth. 10th type of guys, Dwayne Dedman. Um, and you're like, all right, we've got that. Like, no one on the court is killing us. But there's a difference between when you get to the playoffs and the rotation tightens a little bit, but those guys are under a much greater microscope. Like, we know the Heat, obviously, you got their starting five. You've got Tyler Hero. Um, but we we haven't really seen, like, Max Struess tested yet in the playoffs, right? right? We haven't seen Caleb Martin tested yet in the playoffs. We really haven't seen Dwayne Dedman tested yet in the playoffs. Um, like, there's... They've got regular season depth, and I think from a regular season perspective, they're one of the deepest teams in the league. But I think the jury is, is going to be out on the playoff depth until until we see it. But I'm optimistic about it, particularly because I'm like Max Schrus just it feels like he's going to be able to play in any situation. And and I think between Deadman and Yurt Seven, they've got a, a backup center situation that's workable. Uh, Caleb Martin, as like as great as he has looked, is kind of the guy I'm. I'm most kind of wary about come playoff time because, you know, every team has athletes like that, right? He's he's kind of a, you know, he's he looks like an NBA superstar, but obviously he's not. Um, and when it gets tighter and the like he's gonna have to be guarding like Kevin Durant or whatever, or have Kevin Durant potentially guarding him, like it's different than like in the regular season when you're just like playing a game and not being game plan for all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about the depth. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying the deepest team in the league. I'd have to look at every team's roster to do that. But um, for the regular season, 
and that was obviously a concern, right? We had thought that he was going to be a good playoff team. We didn't know what the regular season was going to be because of how old they were and because of a lot of people thought how shallow their roster was. But right now, regular season-wise, they're, they're going to be fine depth-wise, clearly. Yeah. Can I say, Caleb Martin, I don't know if you agree with this, but just from, just from watching him over the past couple months, he, he moves like LeBron. <laughs> something about something about him, like it is, he moves like LeBron, like and even just his leaping ability, like just some of the dunks, even his dunking, like I think that the dunk he goes to the most is the LeBron dunk, um, and he just glides in the air like LeBron. I mean, that's I'm not saying he is LeBron, obviously, <laughs> but just something about him for some reason when he's on the court, the way he moves, the way he jumps, it reminds me of LeBron James. That's there it is. I'm going to say that. We should make that. that uh, that's, that's the headline. Why <laughs> Caleb Martin is like, how Caleb Martin is like LeBron. Anthony Chang, colon, Caleb Martin is, quote, like LeBron James. I could see NBA Central tweeting that right now. <laughs> God, let's not do that. Let's cut this out, actually. <laughs> uh, we're, we're keeping all this in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's what I was saying, right? He, he looks like an NBA superstar. He's got the build. He's got all that stuff. Um but I'm excited. I'm excited to see all those guys come playoff time because that's the test. And I'm sure they all feel the same way, right? Like, that's why you sign with the Heat, right? Is because you know you're going to be in the playoffs. You know you're going to get tested like that. Um, it's going to be a big responsibility for all these guys. But they're checking every box so far, and that's obviously a good sign. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, I mean, Caleb and even Max Struess might not need to play much in the playoffs if Markeith ever comes back. Right, and, yeah, that's the thing. And Victor Oladipo returns. Depot. I mean – then you have Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, Dwayne Dedman, and Markeith Morris, slash Mark Strews, slash Caleb Martin, yeah. slash Gabe Vincent, slash Omar Yurtseven, like as the ninth man. So, yeah, um, yeah it's going to be really interesting to see kind of, I mean, if this team ever gets healthy and Victor Oladipo comes back and Markeith Morris comes back, it's supposed to have some really, really difficult decisions on who plays, which is a good problem. All right, let's wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Um, got anything you're working on right now, Anthony? Well, heading out to Phoenix um, right. tomorrow. I missed most of this trip because um, of various reasons, but I will be, well, I'm planning to be, you never know these days, planning to be in Phoenix uh, for sure. that game against the Suns on Saturday. So that should be a really good game. And I would not be surprised if maybe Jimmy Butler's not back, but. The Heat have most of their roster back, guys like Duncan and, and different guys who are still for protocols. That might be one of the first games that we've right. seen most of the roster together in a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'll be a fun one, obviously. Uh, this this road trip has been a really a good chance for the Heat, I think, to test themselves a little bit, right? They get the Warriors and the Suns in the same trip. Those are the two best teams in the league. Um, and again, like I said, that Warriors game, I, I think pretty impressive, right? Like, obviously it was, you know, how many times is Steph Curry only going to score nine right. points in a game? Probably and some not of those, often. And some of those misses were not, like, because of the heat. Like, yeah, no, no. Just shots he usually makes, he just didn't make them that night. But, yeah, between that and obviously no Bam and, and then Jimmy getting hurt in the third quarter, it felt like if he plays, you know, they were down six when he went out, and obviously it would have been a real fight to the finish probably if he's out there. Um, an encouraging uh, result, I think, for the Heat, uh, except for the Jimmy Butler injury, but that the fact that, they hung with them in that situation I, I thought was really impressive. And another testament to what this team has done so well all year long. Um, but that Suns game should be fun, so uh, I'm jealous you're going to be out there for that. Um, but until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys later on.